And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey guys, just want to take a second to talk to you a bit about Game Time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard us talk about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I was looking at the app the other day, actually. I was thinking about buying some Blue Jackets tickets. And the thing that I like the most about using the app is that when you click on the available tickets, it actually shows you a view of where the, the seats are. So you kind of get a feel for your sight lines how you would be viewing the game or the concert or whatever you're going to before you actually purchase a ticket to make sure that's the kind of section you want to sit in. I thought that was pretty cool. Now game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you need to do. Download the game time app in the Google play or app store. Click on the, my ticket section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code, the athletic use the athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money for tickets to concerts, sports, all types of shows. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who use this code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, just a couple of weeks from now. So make sure you move quick and score those last minute tickets. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to four to six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast here on the Athletic. This is Bill Landis here with Ari Wasserman. Ohio State is let's do math. Twelve days away, right? We're recording this on Monday evening. About twelve days away. Twelve days away is from correct. Playing Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl on December twenty eighth. Out in, I guess technically Glendale, Arizona, Phoenix area, Ari's neck of the woods. It's supposed to rain the entire week. It's the city that made your boy, you know. I looked at the weather and it says rain every day. Talk me down. Is it going to rain every day where there? It's not going to rain every day where there. I don't know. I might trust the weather channel app a little more than I trust you. No offense. Want to make another wager? Sure. I'll bet you 50 bucks it doesn't rain every day there. And does that go from the 24th to the 28th? No, I don't want to bet that it won't rain every day because I don't think it's going to rain every day. How about we make the bet it won't rain on successive days? That's a tough one because it's like, what if it rains for an hour the night before and then it rains? All right, let's just get into the show. We'll iron out the details later. Let us know what you think the terms of the uh, of the bet should be regarding the weather in Phoenix. Hey, there's, uh, there's some news on the Ohio State front uh, that's – Sort of not related to the playoff, but kind of is related to the playoff, and, and you've surely heard of it by now. Jeff Halfley is leaving Ohio State for Boston College. He was introduced on Monday morning. Um, Ari and I watched Jeff Halfley's introductory press conference separately, not together, because we weren't together at 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, I thought it was interesting, and but I think for Ohio State's purposes, it's it's sort of more important about like where, where they go from here. And I think maybe we should talk about that first before we talk about whether or not we were surprised about Halfley's move or, or what it even might mean for Ohio State in the playoff, because I actually don't think it's that major of a deal in terms of Ohio State's preparation. But I think what everybody wants to know is is whether or not Ryan Day is going to hit the home run again like he did when he hired Jeff Halfley and, and his whole defensive staff the first time around. So I think what we can tell you uh, is that the preference would be a guy with some NFL experience, I think a blend of NFL and college experience like Jeff Halfley had. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be a young guy like it was the last time when Ryan Day said he wanted to split it up, kind of a, a younger guy and a more experienced guy with Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley. 
And I do think like it's been out there, and, and I was able to get some information today. I think Kerry Combs is the guy that's on the top of that list. Um, whether or not they get them, get him, I don't know. He's with the Titans. The Titans are probably going to make the playoffs. So if it is Kerry Combs, I think it would be a while before he was on the ground in Columbus, and, and maybe it won't be him. But if you're looking at the profile of what Ryan Day is looking for, I, I think that's it. And and we'll sort of go from there and, and, and wait on it. But Ari, I guess we talked with Ryan Day today, and I thought it was interesting that he was like very adamant for the first time that like it's not – the success that Ohio State had on defense this year was not because Jeff Halfley came here and invented the reinvented the wheels because Ryan Day had a clear vision in mind for what he wanted the defense to be and found guys that could run it and clearly he did and I think he wanted to make the point today that like he's going to do it again. So what is your confidence level that he's going to do it again? It's the same story, right? Uh, with every assistant that's come and gone at Ohio State um, and not always from the head coach, but from people who follow the program. This assistant is the best assistant ever. We cannot lose him. The world's going to end if he leaves, and then when he leaves, uh, well, it'll be fine. You know, and yeah. it's just – I understand. I think Ryan Day had that philosophy. It was interesting because I was having a discussion with Nick Baumgartner in the uh, Michigan press box, and he said, that's that's uh, Madison's defense out there, right? That's him. That's all Madison. Why is Halfley getting all the credit? Fair and, question. And I think that was an interesting – way of putting it because he recognized the defense. So regardless of who it's not about who gets the credit, it's a matter of what the defense was looked like and what it was supposed to look like. And it looked like that. That was his vision. That's what Ryan day said on uh, Monday afternoon. So it's a matter of getting somebody who can continue on with the vision of what this defense is supposed to look like and, and, you know, coach this team up to be that way. So I'm not trying to act like Jeff Halfley wasn't an amazing. I, I I knew from the second that man walked in the door, and you did too, right, Bill, mm-hmm. that this was going to happen. He was a phenomenal coach. He did an incredible job in the recruiting trail, and the numbers speak for themselves. But it, now it's just a matter of um, whether or not Ohio State can do it again, and that's the number one challenge of any head coach, right? Recruiting at a high level and hiring assistant are probably the two most important things outside of development and you know game day coaching that there is in this job. We thank you guys for listening to Four to Six with A and B. You can still get subscribed if you go to Four to Six, or sorry, theathletic.com slash Four to Six. Still get you forty percent off. If you don't have a subscription to the Athletic already, now would be a great time with the playoff coming. And uh, because you could have read the story that Ari and I wrote uh, together over the weekend or late Friday night, I guess when when this news broke about Jeff Halfley taking the Boston College job, and I think the timing of it surprised both of us only because it seemed to drag on, and, and I, my thinking was the fact that it dr- did drag on in that way meant that Jeff Halfley might be staying, even though that it was pretty clear from the beginning that he was their top candidate, and Martin Jarmond, who's the athletic director there, was a guy who worked at Ohio State under Gene Smith and, and clearly, I think, wants to bring a little bit of that Ohio State juice to, to Boston College, even if Jeff Halfley wasn't at Ohio State all that long. He still picked up on it, and I think will run his program um, according to – a lot of what he learned from Ryan Day and what Ryan Day in turn learned from River Meyer. And it's a, it's a good recipe, I think, to, to try to duplicate. It's not easy, but I think that's what Jeff Halfley will do. I'm interested about the fit there. But uh, let's talk a little more about potential replacements, Ari. We, we mentioned when we wrote that story, a couple of names I threw out other than Kerry Combs were Chris Ash, who was just hired by Tom Herman at Texas, which I think is hilarious, um, only because it's like two former River Meyer guys trying to – recapture the flame a little bit i think they're the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator from ohio state's national championship season in 2014 are now trying to get things figured out down in texas um side note i don't think it's going to work but good luck to those guys uh i don't think chris ash is ever actually going to be a fit here philosophically and uh marcus freeman was another name that i think is just sort of natural to throw whenever whenever ohio state has a defensive opening the defensive coordinator at cincinnati but he's fickle's guy luke fickle's guy and also is not a fit if Ohio State's looking for a secondary guy because Marcus Freeman's a linebacker guy. But Kerry Combs to me is very intriguing. And let's just go down this road. And again, we don't know if it's going to happen. I think it's Ohio State's preference that it does happen. What do you think about the prospect of Kerry Combs returning to Ohio State? Remember how everybody flipped out when he left? Yes. That's what I think of it. And they flipped out rightfully so after what happened after he left. So... I think that would be a home run. Yeah, he's never been a coordinator. He wanted to be one when he was here. I think it's part of the reason And I think part of the reason he left was to go ahead and try to put himself on a track to achieve that. And I I mean, I honestly, at first when he first was hired, he was such a flamboyant personality. It almost seemed fake. Mm 
And we used to joke about that, but the more time you spend around Kerry Combs, like that, that shit was real. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like yeah. he, I, I don't know if anybody loved Ohio State more than Kerry Combs. And uh, yeah. I think the yeah. idea of coming back and being a coordinator would suit him. Now, I don't know. I don't, we haven't covered him for a few years. We, I don't know how he's liking living in Nashville and being in the NFL life. And maybe he enjoys having the break from recruiting because, you know, that is a grind. But, like, to me, this is the job that he's always wanted. And if, if he's not going to be a head coach, and I don't know if there's any discussion about him ever progressing as a head coach um, in a smaller program, but this is, like, the destination job. He always used to talk about being, you know, the secondary or DB's coach at Ohio State as being a destination job for him. But to come back to Ohio where he spent his entire life, come back to the university that he loves, and he's a proficient coach, Time and time again, that's been proven not only in analyzing and recruiting talent, but developing them. You know, the the fact that Ohio State has good defensive backs isn't new here. You know, this has been going on a long time. So, to me, the idea of getting somebody in here who has a proven track record and understanding of what it takes to be a coach at Ohio State, somebody who learned from Urban Meyer, somebody who has recruited talent at the highest level, and somebody who's developed them as top five NFL draft picks – I mean, and now has NFL experience that he can sell on the recruiting trail, which was something that he didn't have before, given he was a high school coach before coming uh, to the college level, I think makes him the slam dunk hire. And I think he deserved to be the, a co-defensive coordinator long before he left. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it'd be great for Ohio State, too. Uh, I, there's, I would just look this up to be to be sure, because I think there was even a misnomer about Kerry Combs when he was here. I think he's only 57. He's, People he's, think he's older than he is. He's got, yeah. the, he's got the white hair. Silver uh, fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, he's not – Ryan Day said he wanted a young guy and an older guy when he hired Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison. Well, like, Kerry Combs is, like, 15 years younger than Greg Madison. <laughs> so, uh, Greg Madison's almost uh, – I think he'll be 70 next year. It's, like, crazy because like, I don't view my father as an old man. Yeah. And that's about How the same. Papa was? I think he's 58 or 59. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I uh, – I think that he he doesn't lack energy. I mean, let's put it that yeah, way. So, yeah. and even if you th- even if you looked at him as like, well, that's an older coach. Like he doesn't act like it. He'd have the most juice on this staff if he got hired by Ryan Day. Uh, I agree with you. I think it'd be a great hire for them. I think um, when he was here, he coached a lot of press man, and Ohio State was playing um, basically a lot of quarters coverage. It was it was press man quarters coverage, and that's how they won a national championship, and that's what Urban Meyer wanted. And it worked. And then Ryan Day came in and he changed it. And he was saying on Monday that he that he wants somebody who's who's well versed in sort of cover three and cover one and single high safety looks. He he referenced specifically Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks defense, and Jeff Halfley has experience in that defense, and that's why he hired Halfley the first time. Kerry Combs, since he's been in the NFL um, on Mike Rabel's staff in Tennessee, has. I think broaden his horizons if that's the right word. They they don't they don't play strict man cover or cover four up there. They they vary their coverages because you have to in the NFL. So I wouldn't be worried at all about Kerry Combs being a philosophical fit. And they played they played different defense when he first got to Ohio State before they hired Chris Ash. So it's a guy who I think he can coach whatever technique you want him to coach. He hasn't called plays on a defense, but I, I think it's important to reiterate that Greg Madison. I believe is the one calling the shots, calling the plays on defense for all the Jeff Halfley who had a great year here and he was a Royals award nominee and got a head coaching job because of it. And certainly did a good job revamping the back end of Ohio state's defense. Like Greg Madison and Al Washington for that matter did, I think just as much as Jeff Halfley did to make Ohio state's defense as good as it is this year. And I would expect both of those guys to be back next year. I cannot wait. For the Tennessee Titans film breakdown. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to write a Tennessee Titans, Titans film breakdown. I wrote a monster Ohio State versus Clemson film breakdown, and like there might be like a curse word in there somewhere. The thing was long, and I was... Were you delirious at the end of it? Delirious a little bit yeah. at the end of it. I watched a lot of Clemson. I watched like five Clemson games last week. But I think it turned out pretty well. Um, it's up on The Athletic now. If you want to go give it a read, it might take a little while, but I think I, you know... Do I get an assist on the plug there? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the plug, and I will, if I can speak selfishly for a second, I thought I did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i about to look at it uh, right when we're done with this. It is the lead on The Athletic, which means it's great. So, um, I, I, I just, you want to hear something funny? Yes. I was talking with Jeremy Birmingham from Letterman Row in Burn. the hallway, and he like made this joke. It's like, Urban Meyer was involved in helping people get uh, the job at Colorado State, and I think there was a buyout 
in his contract with um, Steve Adazio's contract at uh, Boston College where they would have to pay him a certain amount of money if he didn't get another job. And Urban Meyer pushed Steve Adazio to Colorado State while also putting Kevin Wilson and Tony Alford in that discussion as well. Um, yeah. And then now the buyout doesn't have to get paid by Boston College because Adazio found employment elsewhere, which freed up extra money for Halfley to go to Boston College. And I thought that like it's such a small world because now Halfley is also landed at the place that Ryan Day spent nine years coaching and Urban Meyer's old guy, Steve Adazio, is leaving that program. And it's just a merry-go-round of Ohio State Urban Meyer-ness. What an incestual business. I know. Isn't it just strange? Like, And now Urban Meyer's son-in-law is going to be on the staff at Colorado State. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know what's happening right now. But it's just like Urban better watch his back because if uh, Jeff Halfley goes there to Boston College and rips off a few 10-win seasons maybe, you know, he might take that Notre Dame job he wants. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Like, not to go off on too much yeah. of a tangent, but, like, I don't know. I would certainly value Urban's opinion on anything college football related. I don't know if I was Colorado State if I would have hired Steve Adazio. And I love Steve Adazio. I think that guy's hilarious when he I'd comes to Ohio Kevin State's Wilson, coaches clinic. I would have taken – I think, like, Kevin Wilson's a better coach. And, like, I, I don't know. The idea of Tony Alford running his own program intrigues me too. It's just funny, like – it seemed like that was going maybe toward Tony Alford a little bit. And then like all of a sudden it's like Urban's involved. And then like Urban's boy, Steve Adazio gets the job. I just thought it was funny. I don't know. Tony Alford wants to be a head coach. I think he might get that opportunity someday, but I thought this, I, I, thought I this wonder if he'll, happened. if this, you know, and this is all speculation of course, but if Tony Alford will consider leaving Ohio state to be a coordinator so that he can continue on that track. Cause I know he wants to do it. You know who needs a coordinator? Who needs a coordinator? Notre Dame. And away we go. <laughs> Hit the phones, Urban. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the next step for Tony. Um, I don't know. I was I was actually a little surprised to see Kevin Wilson's thing come up there, not because I don't think he could do it, just because I wondered with the way that things ended at Indiana, how um, you know his push to become a head coach again might go. But I, th- I think Colorado State's a good job. I think it could be one of the better group of five jobs. And um, I don't know. I think I would have made a little bit a little bit more of an inspired hire maybe than uh, – it's just like, what's so funny is to me and the coaching isn't it so much that it's such a small world, but also how many guys get recycled. And I'm mm. not implying that Adazio is a recycled person. I don't know anything about. I mean, he got fired and hired you know, in a way. Fired a and hired is the definition of, I guess, recycled. But I'm not saying he's not fit for the job. All I'm saying is, is I would take a chance on somebody who was successful. That's a place. And, like, I remember covering Ohio State and Indiana games and Kevin Wilson was the head coach. It was a different feel mm-hmm. than it is now. And Indiana, actually, ironically enough, I think won nine games this year. And Yeah, I think they're you know, all right. They're, they're all right. Be, but like because Kevin, it was Kevin Wilson, I believe Kevin Wilson hired Tom Allen, right, to be his defensive coordinator. Yes. And then, and then Tom this, Allen. And they're friends still. And yeah. all, I think that Kevin Wilson would be a very attractive candidate. So I, I would put my – especially in a place that's probably somewhat similar to – I mean – it's probably a similar job in Indiana, even though it's a group of five job in terms of size and mm-hmm. notoriety and stuff. And at least you weren't going to have to bang your head against the wall playing Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and all those other teams that are in your conference every year. So yeah. I just, to me, feel like he's proven that he can be a very good offensive mind. Like, and I and I would pitch for him on his behalf because I think he's done a tremendous job. And I, I don't know if it's age uh, when it comes to like even what we were talking about with Jeff Halfley and. Greg Madison, like, is it like an age bias that shot? Uh, did McVeigh from the Rams change the entire perspective of like what a football coach is supposed to be so much that if you're just a young dude with a beard, that like you're more qualified to be a job than, you know, somebody who's in their 50s or 60s who's done a very good job, has a lot of experience, and has been a proven winner at other places? Like, it's just a very interesting thing. And like, it's so funny we were joking it's just like if you want to be if you're an assistant coach and you want to be a head coach just be jeff halfley for five minutes he laid the blueprint like he know that just act like that you know have the because a lot of them have the results Mm -hmm. like kevin wilson has good offensive results he's great you know and he's a great person to talk to he's actually my favorite person on the staff to talk to but he wasn't charismatic and outgoing and young and full of you know what i mean i don't know how much that stuff actually matters but 
Halfley was crowned the prince of this assistant coaching staff from the beginning. The second he walked in, and I think his personality and his NFL background background had a lot to do with it, especially with the way Shanahan is doing with the with the 49ers this year as well. He wears fitted hats. He's cool. Yeah. I mean, laugh at that shit. Like, <laughs> no, laugh, no, but it's, it's like, it's, it's real. Legit. It's legit. Yeah. And I do think, you know, I, I think they're – I think it was fair to criticize, and it's still fair to criticize. Like that, and it happens at both levels. That there are a lot of retread hires, and and maybe this is a, a correction to that, and it's probably a good correction. Um, maybe it's fair to ask if it's too much of a correction, but I mean, it's still there aren't enough minority candidates. Um, there aren't enough, I think, people farther down the rung who who get chances um there's still a lot of recycled hires i just wonder how important it is to have been a coordinator before taking the head coaching job because it's like if halfley was the secondary coach this year and everything was the same and everything he did behind the scenes was the same but his title was different if he'd still be a head coach right now i still think the the coordinator title i mean like urban was never a coordinator before he became a head coach um, Dabo, I don't believe was ever a coordinator before he became a head coach. Those guys are exceptions. Those guys aren't the rules. I think you need to show that. I know, but we just got done making the point, right, that Halfley worked on a team. And I feel like if you're a co-coordinator coming over with Al Washington and Greg Madison and doing something, that's a little bit different than being the coordinator of a defense the way a guy like Venables is over at Clemson. Well, it's all different. It all depends on, too, how it's framed by the media. And, like, everyone who covers Jeff Halfley, and, and, and we're probably guilty of it, too. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. Everything that was written about Ohio State's defense has been like, holy shit, look what Jeff Halfley did to turn around Ohio State's defense. And, like, it's partly true, but it's also partly misleading. And how many times, like, if you had to add this up in your head, Bill, in terms of media media availability when they brought out a football assistant on the defensive side of the ball, I bet you Halfley talked to us he's, he's seven talk- to ten times and, and Madison is twice. Right? Yeah. Is that the right Halfley's, ratio? Halfley's talked the most of any Ohio State assistant. And that's by design. Like, these guys aren't dumb. They're doing it on purpose. And like Greg Madison, one, I don't think cares if he gets credit for this. Two, isn't angling to be a head coach. I think this is probably his last job. And and Jeff Halfley was very much angling to be a head coach. And, and I'd like that, I don't fault him for it. He, he played it smart, I think. And he got to this where he is now because he I wonder how much of that got out in front like, of cameras and presented himself the right way. SID poking. Like, I want to be the guy. I want Because some guys don't want to talk to us at all. Yeah. Like, I remember, like... Greg's too draw doesn't want to talk to us. Yeah, he I mean, says Tony it every Alford time he comes out. Tony Alford doesn't talk to us ever. He comes out every doesn't time he Tony says Alford it. talk to us, like, twice a year? Yeah. And if you does. want to be the head coach at Colorado State, man, you got to you gotta come out. Yeah, that's part of the game. It's part of the game. Like, what you do on the field matters most, but, you know... Yeah. FaceTime, FaceTime matters, too. All right, let's talk about this quickly, and then we'll, we'll move on to, I think, maybe more more pressing things for Ohio State. Um you might, we talked a little about Steve Steve Adazio. He was 500 at Boston College. I don't know. I don't know what the measure of success is at Boston College. Like, what do you think of Halfley's prospects there? Because it's 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 a decent job. It's a Power Five job. It is if everything is clicking right in your in that division, it's probably at best the fourth best job in that division, behind Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville. And I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like it'd be tough sledding. I, I I don't know. I think he could have waited and gotten something better, but I understand jumping at a power five job. When you and I were texting the other night when this happened, like I feel like we were on different ends of the spectrum on this because I was more I shocked bit. at the beginning than you were. And now it seems like I have built myself up into thinking this is a good job. And now you're like coming back down to where I was. And I think we're probably somewhere in the middle now together. Yeah. yeah. But like, what is it that you think changed in your mind from, I thought Boston college is a pretty solid job. ACC is down. I mean, how many teams in the ACC are even good right now? I mean, if you look at BC's division, you've got NC state, Syracuse, Florida state, Louisville, wake forest and Clemson. So like, that's kind of a tough division when the programs are what they're supposed to be. When Florida state's Florida state, Louisville has shown uh, that they can, can be a tough out and even wake forest showed some life this year, at least offensively. But like that is a, this is a conference. If you look at the other side, Georgia tech Pitt, Miami, Virginia tech, Virginia, I don't have to list all the teams. I mean, there's like a, there's a path to winning 10 games in this conference right now. And I think when you're a head coach, you, cause BC is not terrible. 500 team. They go to bowl games. You know, they go to bowl games, 500 team. And if you're you're not you're not inheriting what Greg Schiano's inheriting over at Rutgers. 
you're inheriting a team that is already 500, which means if you win three more games, you're in the 9-10 win range. So, like, the thing that we were joking about during the press conference on Monday was no recruiting questions. I want to know, like, what is Boston College's recruiting strategy? Mm -hmm. I think he can sell. If Steve Adazio can go 500 there over the course of how many years it was, I think Jeff Halfley can win 65% of his games. Yeah. I think it was an upgrade for sure in terms of who they have. Um, and And it doesn't strike me as a place that he's going to be very long. I think if they're if he finds success immediately, um, he probably went over the roster, see, look, look at the schedule, sees that the, the the conference is down, and if he wins ten games, maybe as soon as next year, or nine games, he might already bolt the following year. I mean, he's still young enough to want to do those sort of things. So, I was surprised because I thought BC was kind of a math job, um, but I can also understand that it is a private Catholic institution um, that might have some extra resources at is in the Northeast that is kind of closer to New Jersey and some of those places where he's probably going to recruit head-to-head, ironically enough, with Greg Schiano. Yeah. And, like, I do think that, like, if there's a window here, not being an expert on BC's roster, to win nine or ten games two years in a row, he could look at this as a jumping point the same way Tom Herman knew that Houston was going to be a jumping-off point to Texas. Like, that's the way that they're – this is like a step-by-step long game here. This isn't the destination. So I wasn't surprised that he left because he struck me as a riser the second the first time he spoke to us. I, like everybody else, I think assumed he'd be around for two years, and I think he assumed he'd be around for two years. He said that when he was introduced at BC, and then this opportunity sort of fell into his lap. And I was talking um, on Saturday night. I was at a basketball game, high school basketball game. Uh, Bronny James Jr. was playing. And Mark Givler from uh, Buckeye Grove was there, and he, he and I were talking about this, and he made a good point that like Jeff Halfley is an East Coast guy. I think he probably felt that if he were ever going to make a jump to be a head coach, he preferred that it be at an East Coast program because that's where he recruits, although he did go national recruiting some guys for Ohio State. And if you look at like East Coast programs, power programs, it's like it's Penn State, which you're not going to get. Um, it's Rutgers, which just hired Greg Schiano. It's Maryland, which just hired Mike Loxley, and maybe you could wait him out, but it's probably going to be at least another two years there for Mike Loxley. And it's Syracuse, which has Dino Babers, and maybe you could wait that out. Or it's Boston College, which opened up and wanted you. And I think it makes sense that Jeff Halfley would want to do that. Um, I think what he'll have to do recruiting-wise to build that program up is going to be difficult because of what you said, Ari. Greg Schiano is in New Jersey. And New Jersey has really good high school football. I don't think Greg Schiano is going to lock down the state. I still think programs like Ohio State and Penn State, um, and really any other program that wants to go there, will be Michigan. Able to, Michigan will be able to go there and get the top top guys in the state. But I think Greg Schiano is going to scoop up all the secondary guys, um, and probably will get his share of top ten guys in the state too. And I don't know that if Je- I don't know if Jeff Half is going to be able to come in New Jersey, even though he has really good connections in that state, and get guys that Greg Schiano wants. I don't know. Maybe he will. And I, he I think you're kind of over expecting what Rutgers is going to do. I'm not going to believe that until I see that. I believe in I, Greg Schiano's defense last year aside, it was a travesty. And I have questions about, I guess, whether or not he can adapt to be a better defensive coach. I have no doubts whatsoever about Greg Schiano to go in there and sell Rutgers for at least the first two years. He's, he's there. only the only person who can, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's the home run hire. Yeah. But, you know, doing it and. Saying it and doing it are two different things, and right now you want to talk I think about no bullshit. Like Greg, like Greg Schiano selling Rutgers is no bullshit. Yeah, he loves that place. Yeah, he talked about it like it was the Dallas Cowboys when he was here. He loves Rutgers, and I don't if Greg Schiano and Jeff Halfley are in Bergen Catholic High School, and there's a low four star linebacker who's trying to decide which school to go to. I would pick Greg Schiano to win that recruiting battle. If you're listening and you heard the silence, that was a confused look on my face. Um, but I don't know if you're wrong. I just think it's interesting. BC's not... a better program right now, but the hope of what Rutgers could be and being a part of that is an interesting sell, too. I think it'll yeah. be an interesting thing to track, for yeah. sure. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm whatever. I mean, I'm not – I'm not. Or the point of this conversation not to say, like, Jeff Halfley made a mistake and he's going to suck at Boston College. We'll see. I, I, like, I think he's a good coach, for sure. I think he proved that. He's a good coach. He's a good recruiter. Um, I'll be interested to see what, what, what happens there. So I'm always most fascinated, Bill, by watching guys who absolutely cleaned up recruiting Ohio State 
prospects to Ohio State, do recruiting to a brand that's not Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I think Halfley will do a very good job because he's a very smooth. He's a smooth, smooth. dude. And that's you know, a even, his, even the sound uh, of his Landers. voice is just like soothing. I don't know what it is. I asked BB Landers a couple months ago, like, what stood out to you about Coach Halfley when when the new staff got here? And he said, Coach Halfley, that's a smooth dude. Yeah, no, like, he is. A- he's he is smooth. So you know, I don't I don't have any doubt that he'll be able to recruit a half step or a full step better than the way Adazio was. And um, I think this is going to be a short turnaround. But like, it's like if you play the game. What what job would he jump for in next year if he would have stayed? Like, what is that next job? Does he become the candidate for Virginia Tech? You know, like I don't, yeah, like, I don't know, know like what the next yeah. situation is. Yeah. So to That's me, the more I think about it, I was like, oh my god, why would he do that? And then in the five days since, I've kind of understood this might make sense. If you were, let me just present this hypothetical to you. If you were Jeff Halfley. And I would tell you, like, hey, Jeff, you can have the Boston College job right now or wait a year. Josh Heupel at Central Florida is going to get another job, and you can have that job. Which one would you take? BC now or Central Florida in two years? You know what's really tough? BC is a private institution, so we don't know how much they're paying the guy. I would guess he's making $3 million. Four million. So you think he's getting paid almost as much as Ryan Day is getting paid at Ohio I mean, State? Ryan Day is going to get a hefty raise after yeah. this season. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. I know, but like what? Well, I mean, weeks, what? Urban was making seven. Yeah. So like the most powerful head coach in college football at Ohio State is making double what? Ha- I would be surprised. If I mean, Missouri, Missouri just paid Eli Drinkwitz four million. That's the going rate, man. That's what these programs are paying. Yeah, I mean, three, four. Maybe it's maybe it's. I don't know. I think I, my guess would have been two and a half. I think two. Rutgers paid Ash two and a half. Um, You're like the contract guru. What was Halfley making at Ohio State again? He was making over a million, like, but like a, like a million on the dot. I think it was like yeah. nine hundred fifty thousand. So like anything like two point five is a huge raise. I would guess he's getting three. Maybe four is a little high. I yeah, guess I four is a little high. I would guess three. But like in UCF was probably. To me, I thought Houston was the perfect job opportunity for for Tom Herman, right? Yep. It is a place in a cool city in a warmer climate where he's from where you can recruit recruit and you can win quickly enough to get – I mean, that guy parlayed the Houston job into the Texas job in two freaking years. And we all saw it coming. That is (laughs) unbelievable. And, like, I know Texas has been down and everybody makes the the Texas back joke. Texas is probably a top-five job in America Mm -hmm. still. So – I think he would pick Boston College because of where he's from. Yeah. But UCF is definitely a place where you can win a 10 games, claim a national championship, and go get yourself another job. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd probably take BC, too. I mean, man was out here talking about Doug Flutie in that press conference. You know he's got the he's got he's the got, urge. He's got the juice, that's for sure. Yeah. I like Martin Jarman, too. And I would – I would. Martin Jarman's a pretty sharp guy, I, I think – Whenever Gene Smith decides to uh, retire, Martin Jarman would be in the conversation of potential replacements. Quick break here to talk to you guys about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually guys just brush it off or blame themselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or they avoid the topic altogether. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com AB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash AB to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash AB for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash AB. Okay, so we're going to talk about recruiting in a second, but I just want to touch on one last thing as it relates to Jeff Halfley and the coaching change, you know, football-wise, I guess. Because you mentioned Tom Herman going to Houston. Tom Herman was in a transition period going from Ohio State to Houston while Ohio State was in a college football playoff in 2014. Jeff Halfley now finds himself in a very similar situation, basically the identical situation. Does it have in your mind any impact 
on Ohio State's chances of beating Clemson or winning a national championship. To say it has no impact, I think, is nuts. Yeah, I think it has some I think impact. people How act like nothing's a problem. Like, you have a person that only has 24 hours in a day, and if he spends 22 hours thinking about Ohio State and two about BC, that's more than 24. That's less than 24 hours. Somewhere in those two hours, T. Higgins catches a 30-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy stuff. But it clearly has been done. I mean, last time Ohio State was in the situation, they won the national championship. Alabama does it every yeah. damn year. I mean, year. I, yeah. I think that it's it's something to worry about because everything is something to worry about. But I don't think it's going to cripple them or hinder their chances of winning this football game, um, especially considering the fact that they have another coordinator who is, by all accounts, completely bought in. And this is going to be a talent game, in my opinion. So, you know. Will it impact Ohio State's chances? Maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be crazy um, in terms of what you're going to see. Yeah, and Clemson has a coordinator going through the exact same thing. Jeff Scott, their co-offensive coordinator and receivers coach, who is not their primary play caller, but he is a co-OC, is the new South Florida head coach. So he's balancing things the same way that Jeff Halfley is. So if you think for some reason Jeff Halfley being distracted might be an advantage for Clemson, the same thing's happening on Clemson's side, and you'd have to consider it an advantage for Ohio State. I think it, it's negligible, or not negligible. What's the word? Negligible? Is that the right word? I think that is the right word. Yeah, okay. Okay. I think they're fine. I don't think it – like, whatever. It might, it marginal? Probably, marginal. Marginal. That's the word. I know words. I'm a, I'm a professional writer. Professional writer. I have a minor in English from the University of Arizona. I have a minor in English. Ask me how much I use it. <laughs> Ask me how much I use mine. I think that's just the thing that they put on your degree <laughs> in lieu of an extra $12,000 to go to school. The minor is the thing <laughs> you get when you don't have the gas to complete the double major. Um, all right, let's talk recruiting. National signing day for the early period is on Wednesday. Ohio State has 25 commitments in the class of 2020, five of those players are defensive backs. Some others in there were recruited by Jeff Halfley as well, but five of them were defensive backs that were recruited by Jeff Halfley. Ari, where are we as we record this around 5 p.m. on Monday night, um, less than two days before signing day? Where are we with those five defensive backs, and how do you think it's going to shake out? Ryan Day said it during his press conference on Monday that he anticipates signing all five, and I think that's the right way to go. I've been trying to monitor this. I've been talking to people behind the scenes, and it doesn't seem like there's any worry that any of the top or any of those five guys are going to sign with another program. Um, there was some smoke as of Monday afternoon that um, Clark Phillips, who took a official visit to Utah, could flip to Utah. I would be stunned if that happened. Having met Clark Phillips only two weeks ago in Los Angeles, he seemed completely bought in to the program, and I understand that losing an assistant coach is a major thing, but part of being a good recruiter as a head coach, and you made this point, Bill, was having the ability to understand and communicate nuances of what this is. And like, if you're coming to Ohio state thinking that Halfley was going to be your coordinator for the three or four years that you were at this program, you were crazy. Mm -hmm. So that has to be communicated during the recruiting process. Is it a shock? Absolutely. Should it be a surprise? Maybe so. Should it just be completely unwarranted and out of nowhere and feel like you've been lied to? I think that that would be a, very bad thing for the head coach if those if those kids who were committed didn't anticipate something like this happening eventually. So um, I personally still think that Ohio State is one of the top premier places to go to college and play football at. I think that things have changed because they lost a bright young coordinator, but Ohio State was putting defensive backs into the first round of the NFL draft before Halfley, and I'm assuming if the talent continues to stay level in the recruiting process, they'll continue to do that into the future. Um, so to me, I think they're going to sign 25 guys and, you know, maybe some fireworks or somebody will decide to sign in February, but I don't even think that's going to happen. I think all five of them are going to sign on Wednesday. So legend Cavazos, Ryan Watts and Cam Martinez have all said that they are signing Clark Phillips. You mentioned, we're not sure of Lathan Ransom. I think it's a little murky at the moment about whether or not he's going to sign on Wednesday. He was in on the wards dinner in Arizona over the weekend and he did a video I think with a local paper there and he was asked after the Jeff Halfley news came out whether or not he was still going to sign on Wednesday and he said he wasn't sure yet um, so that was a, a day ago the, uh, the thing about the calendar is, is you can still talk to these kids on the phone um, you can't visit them and they can't visit you but there's phone communication like right up until the last minute I remember Mike Weber a couple of years ago when it was like Stan Drayton might leave and they were on the phone till like 2 o'clock in the morning before and then signing left. day and guess what Stan Drayton left um, 
so there's communication happening. I too, I, I believe what Ryan Day said, um, and I just believe that Ohio State's going to sign all, all five of these guys. And it was funny to watch Ryan Day, like we said at the beginning, sort of pretty adamantly. I thought, you know, describe the defense the way he described it—that it's his defense, it's his vision for the defense. It's not going to change. This is what you signed up for. You're still going to come here and do that, and I'll find the right coach for you. Like he wasn't talking to us; he was talking to recruits at the podium. We just happened to be sitting there in front of him. That yeah, was, that was he very, wouldn't have said it's all everything's deliberate. Yeah, it was yeah. very deliberate. So I think I think they'll sign all those defensive backs, and it's kind of a weird situation because they have 25; they can sign more than 25. Um, but it's not there's not a ton of suspense outside of these defensive backs with with Ohio State going in the signing day. The one thing that is still on the table is C.J. Stroud, who we've talked about a lot. He's announcing at uh, was it 12.30 Eastern time, 12.30, right? 9.30 a.m. It's Pacific 9.30 time. Pacific. 9.30 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. He will announce his college decision. He was just coming off an official visit to Ohio State. Good timing there, obviously. It looks like they're going to get him, right? looks like Ohio State's going to end up with two quarterbacks in this class. Ryan Day was asked if he's going to have two quarterbacks on Monday, and he said, I don't know. Um, I got the impression from C.J. Stroud having – been in his high school office with him three weeks ago, was that, or two weeks ago? Rutgers uh, week. Rutgers week, whatever week that was. Maybe it was two years ago. Like I have a hard ago. time having – anyway, I got the impression that he was going to go to Ohio State just based on my conversation with him. Obviously, a lot can change um, in the month of November, um, right before the early signing period. But I, I think that he truly is not wavering in terms of the idea of having to come in with another freshman quarterback in the same class. He seemed pretty – understanding of the fact that you're going to have to compete and beat somebody out for the job, whether they're uh, a year older or a year younger than you. In fact, I think it was hilarious that he made an awesome point. You'd almost rather come in with another freshman than have to battle somebody who was in the class above you because that means they're a year ahead. Yeah. You know, it's almost an advantage if you look at it that way. So to me, if I had to guess, C.J. Stroud will be a Buckeye. Um, I wouldn't bet money on that. Um, I just want to see it play out. But you know, Ohio State's one of two quarterbacks in this class. They love Stroud um, and his ability, and this isn't a throw-in. This is somebody that they really want, and, you know, you'll find out in a, in a day or two. All the crystal ball predictions, if you believe in such a thing, and I think you have reason to, are on Ohio State for C.J. Stroud. He's the number 83 player in the country. He's the number two pro-style quarterback in the country. And it's funny because we've been talking forever about the fact that Ohio State has to get two quarterbacks in this class just because of the way the roster shakes out. Shakes out, It would be to their benefit to get two just to have a healthier quarterback room, at least for next year anyway. But I think when you say that, you think to yourself, like, well, they have Jack Miller. Jack Miller's a guy like who's a lower-rated guy they can, they can throw in here at the end and just sort of have a warm body there. And this um, guy's which, rated higher, Which right? might be um, – uh, bad way to look at it but that's just the truth when you talk about these kind of things and instead they go out and get the guy who's the number two player in his position in the country um rated higher than miller rated higher than miller part of that's because miller was dealing with some injuries because i think they're both really good players this is pretty impressive i think on ryan day's part to get two quarterbacks of this caliber in the same recruiting class in the current climate we're in yeah i agree i also think that there is and this isn't speculation but there's also more of a safety blanket of transferring that didn't exist in the previous years either. So I think if you're somebody who wants to come test the waters, you go do it at the highest possible place. And if you fail and you're not an Ohio State starting quarterback in a year or two to your liking, um, you can be free to transfer to any of the programs you could have gone to otherwise. So I almost feel like the transfer portal and the way that these guys are getting immediate eligibility nowadays like gives you a chance to like take a bigger risk. Uh, it's almost like a coaching search, you know, where you can. Yeah. And I think that might actually be an interesting story of just like, can you now with this um, safety net of transferring, does it make you more likely to take a risk in your recruitment than it would have otherwise? It's interesting. I never, I never thought of it that way because it's funny the way the coaches talk about Ryan Days even has sort of talked in like doomsday kind of scenario terms about the transfer portal, even though he's he's benefited greatly from it, obviously, this year with Justin Fields, but just like sort of worried about what it means for the future of the position. And I never even considered that that dynamic is what likely helped him land two in this class, two of this caliber. Which is great, because I honestly just came up with that off the top of my head, because I'm gifted, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes you, you fall backwards into a good story idea. Yeah. yeah. It's just talking stuff out, man. Talk it, it out, talk it out. Talk it out. Talk it out Tuesday. Tuesday. On a Monday. 
Okay. Uh, so we did a, a lengthy podcast about this Should recruiting I class. Write that this week. I think it'd be a great question to ask Ryan Day when we talk to him on Wednesday All after right, remind me after CJ Stroud probably signs with Ohio State. Remind me. I will remind you. Uh, we did a lengthy podcast, I think also Rutgers Week, I think the week you went up to California, talking about Ohio State's recruiting class, so we don't need to go position by position through all this and rehash all that. You can go find it if you look back through the podcast feed. It's there. And uh, while I mention that, I'll also give a shameless plug asking you to please subscribe, rate, interview on iTunes, wherever you find podcasts. That helps us out greatly, too. Um, so short of that, short of going position by position, Ryan Day's about to sign what is basically his first full recruiting class. I just didn't know before we wrapped up, Barry, if you had any like last thoughts on that or, or Dude, I'm about to set you up like a volleyball game yet again. Oh, really? I think it's a very great class and we've talked about this class quite a bit. We even had a podcast where we broke down the whole class, but the one glaring thing that I think they don't have in this class is a five-star defensive end. Mm. And that's been something that they've had regularly in the recent past. And between the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, they've had 10 years of first top three picks at that position. And you are writing a story uh, this week about something like that. So I wanted to give you an opportunity because I think that's a very interesting angle you're working on. I appreciate that. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give the whole story because I want to entice people to want to read it. Um, Just tease it. So I'm going to tease it a little bit. Jacoby Cowan is the four-star, lower lower four-star, I guess. No, I guess maybe mid-range four-star. Uh, defensive lineman from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was at, I was down in North Carolina for the Ohio State-UNC game, and I went down to Charlotte earlier that day to um, visit with Jacoby Cowan. To, and he's, he's listed as a defensive tackle. He's 6'5"-ish, 260 pounds. If you look at him, I think if you looked at him, you would say to yourself, well, I think maybe he'll end up being a, a tackle, maybe in the Draymond Jones mold more than an end. But that's not the plan. And basically what I'm going to write about is is why he thinks he can be the guy, like the preeminent pass rusher in a class that, that's light on them in at a program that is used to getting, like you said, five-star pass rushers. So I was pretty impressed talking with him. He's a pretty mature kid. Um He's at a program at Providence Day in Charlotte that just won a state title and is um, – it's not a boarding school. It's like a college prep school, but, like, if you go there, there's clearly a lot of money there, and they have pretty good resources there. Um, so I think he's gotten, you know, so kind of like the best of the best in terms of resources that are available to high school um, student-athletes. So I like them, and, and we'll see uh, – We'll see what he becomes, but but he certainly sold me on the idea that he could become that guy, and I'm going to write about why that is the case, and that story will be up um, either Tuesday or Wednesday this week. I think the thing that stands out the most about this class, Bill, is the embarrassment of riches of skill. Yeah. If you look at the five defensive backs we were just discussing, they all sign. The fact that they have three borderline or, if not, five-star receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two quarterbacks. Yep. You know, the one glaring thing might be the running back position. And another tease, because we're just working hard, I guess. I'm going to Cincinnati on Monday evening after this podcast to report on Mayan Williams, who's Ohio State's running back commitment um, down in Cincinnati, Winton Woods. And I'll have that story for you guys this week as well. But the, the, the skill positions, and I think that, you know, the positions where you just can't teach dynamic ability Ohio State is loaded at and I and I and as we've spoken about in previous podcasts I think you can develop some really good interior offensive line out of three-star prospects I think you'd even turn a three-star prospect into a hell of a defensive tackle Mm -hmm. but you can't make a Michael Thomas or um, a Chris Olave I guess out of a a player that doesn't have that natural ability Um, so yes Chris Olave was a three-star prospect but you get my drift so to me, I think it's a very trem- tremendously deep skill class and uh, one that I think that Ryan Day should be proud of for the first time around on this thing. Then, you know, I think another story I might write on Wednesday is, is he ever going to be able to put a recruiting class together without panicking at the end? Because now he's two for two. Oh, yeah, I guess he is. And it's like the first part was obviously always going to happen because he's re- replacing somebody who's retiring, who's a legend. But, like, the amount of stress I cannot imagine – dealing with something like this for four days before signing day where you're dealing with a bunch of families who and and by the way all five of these defensive backs that everybody's concerned about none of them are in ohio 
Yeah. These are all five national prospects that have other offers to go other places. So to me, it's a very curious signing day for them, but I think it's going to turn out to be quite, quite the class. It's kind of crazy. And it, it's the same for everybody. So I don't, I don't, it's, I don't mention this to say like Ohio state is behind the eight ball somehow because LSU Clemson, Oklahoma and Ohio state all had guys on the award circuit. All their coaches were out this week traveling all over the place. Clemson didn't have a, a Heisman finalist, but it had guys at the national football awards in Atlanta. There are three weeks in between conference championship games and the playoff, and like one of those weeks was just wiped off the schedule because all these guys were out of town doing this award circuit thing. And by the way, you got to lock down your recruiting class. There's a lot to get done for these teams in a very truncated window, and it's normally not the case. Everything's happening like a week later than it normally does, or the conference championship games happen a week later than it normally do. So they created this three-week window where you're traveling the world on the award circuit recruiting and also, by the way, trying to prepare for a playoff all at the same time. Yep. It's kind of crazy. It is. Not for us, though. We can handle it. You think we can handle it? No. I'm I don't already, know what I'm it is. I'm at the end out. of my pitiful rope, and we haven't even started yet. There's snow outside. It's great. It's 4.30. Sack of marbles. Petey. <laughs> Pets heads are falling off. All right. We'll wrap up there. Um, we will be back later in the week with our Q&A podcast for subscribers. And we're still trying to formulate a plan, I think, for exactly what it'll look like when we're out in Phoenix because our schedules of arrival and all that stuff are a little different. We'll, we'll at the very least have two that week. Maybe we'll try to squeeze in a third um, as Ohio State gets out there and, and prepares for Clemson. It's also the holiday week, so um, we'll, we'll see about that. But you can bet on us having one later in this week like we normally do, and we'll have at least two for you next week when we're out of town at Phoenix or in Phoenix uh, with Ohio State as it prepares for Clemson and the Fiesta Bowl. Excited to see you, Mom and Dad. Everyone is invited to dinner at Ari's house. What's your parents' address? Four. Uh, no, we're not going to go there. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later this week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.